Hello again, and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond, and after a couple of weeks on the road, I'm back in the cosy confines at the WRP studio with the player, the coach, the captain, the legend, that is Rachel Burford. Hi, Johnny. It's, Hello. It's been horrible, hasn't it, the weather? So it's nice to be back in the warm after a fantastic couple of weeks of action, particularly if you are an England fan. Or a Wales fan, or a Japanese fan. We'll get into that. But in this week's show, England boss Simon Middleton joins us to review a thoroughly satisfying autumn series from his team. And we're going to head to the Barbarians training camp to catch up with our very excited squad manager and coach. Yeah, they are very, very excited. And as ever, we will review all the latest news from around the world's game. And with the Tyrrells Premier 15s returning after the international break, we'll preview all this weekend's matches. So then, Berth, the dog's better. We're back in the studio Still haven't made me a, a cup of tea or coffee yet this series, and this is episode 11. But don't worry, I don't hold grudges. You used my capsules. So one, one You capsule. still used it, so that counts as me giving you a coffee. Right, OK. We'll bring your own cup next week, because <laughs> you won't be able to borrow mine. Let's move on to the rugby, shall we? Yes. <laughs> wow. Um, Bedford. First of all, good ground to host a, an England international. I think in terms of the crowd... And everybody being close, everybody was literally right around the pitch. And I was in awe of the fans who were there watching because the cloud just completely opened up, absolutely hammering it down with rain, but nobody moved. And um, I was talking to Dylan Hartley, who was there with me. He was saying about how... I'll just pick that up for you. Yep. <laughs> I was, he was saying about he's played there before and how it doesn't matter who's playing... Everybody always turns up, no matter what the weather is, no matter what the opposition is. It's a real family-filled environment, club, real close, and the atmosphere is brilliant. And even at the end, when the game was over and it was still raining, everybody was still waiting around the sidelines to, to get an autograph, to get a picture. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a great venue. And is, is that the way for you? Is that the way that, that it should be done? Because we've seen up at Castle Park, haven't we? Doncaster, obviously Exeter, Bedford, Goldington Road. Now, is that the way, the, how the model should continue to work? Yeah, I think, you know, spreading the game around the country is really important to, that we're reaching different fans and in different environments. But I think we can we can look at bigger stadiums, though. I think selling out Bedford yeah, is brilliant. But actually, I think we should have the ambition to get the 10,000s, get the 15,000s in, because I think there is a need and a want to come along and watch women's rugby. Um, but we need to have the facilities that allow that. Yeah, I'm very much of the opinion... Having broadcast on, on Women's Rugby for yeah, a long time, that actually it's the international game that's going to drive it. You know, attendances in the tiers aren't amazing, certainly not, and therefore that doesn't attract broadcasters. It doesn't look good. But when you have a, a, a packed stadium at Sandy Park or Goldington Road, as you say, in the pouring rain, whatever, there's loads of people there. That, that's got to drive the attendances, and that'll filter down hopefully. So I think the ambition's got to be better. Um, on the field, though, we interviewed. Uh, Three people last week, didn't we? Leanne Riley, Jess Breach, and they gave uh, Giada Franco a load of grief on the pod. They certainly gave a load <laughs> of grief on the field as well. Uh, really good performance from England. Yeah, I think in terms of, if you look at that game in two different halves, um, the first half, they were kind of staying in the game. They had to play out of that bottom corner. Now, those of you who haven't been to Bedford, there is a big old slope there five foot drop and yeah five foot drop but also the wind was coming in that corner the rain was coming in that corner so I think England did really well in terms of that area and then the second half they kind of turned it on even more so played really smart where to put the ball and play in the right places keep 
Italy from getting out of that corner. And you could see Giada getting frustrated in, in the Italian side. Um, but also, I feel that Jess and Leanne actually set Sarah Beckett up because they were saying, Sarah Beckett's going to come for you. Those two didn't say it. So so there's been a bit of um, Harlequin's banter flying around and it'll be all good fun when they come back into camp this week. Nice. So if England do, I and mean, let's look back at the, 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 the autumn series as a whole then, if there are some work-ons um, for England, Simon Middleton going to Six Nations, tough first game up, Stad Hamo uh, in Poe. What would be the, the work-ons from, from the three games? I think that the whole series gave a real blend and difference of pressures um, across the all three of the games. So you look at the first game playing away, playing in that crowd, getting used to that stadium, that environment. A, again, a game of two different halves. They went. They were very strong in the first half, absorbed a lot of pressure. Then it didn't as much in the second half. Second game, they were obviously losing up until two points, two minutes to the end. Sorry. Third game, different team, lots of changes. So they've had a real array of differences to like draw back against and use for going forward into Six Nations. So I think they'll be in a really confident place because of all the differences in terms of pressures that they've had and changes. I think where um, Simon Milton and the team will be looking for is potentially how they start. So they've come out in the games and there's been a couple of really early errors that against a stronger opposition can really punish you. So I think they'll be looking at how they start the game and how they get players into the game. Um, And I think, you know, they're trying things and playing in the right places and using the right personnel. But I think there's just still some more gelling to be done. More of these contractors, in terms of full-time contractors, to be together more, to understand each other more. You know, we saw things like the ball being thrown into touch, and that's a timing thing, that's an understanding thing. So I think those things will naturally come as they build into the Six Nations. But I guess one of the big areas that did get better this weekend was their set piece in the scrum. So that would be an area I, th- I would have thought Richard Blaze would be having a phenol- like a big amount of work looking into that going into Six Nations. Um the line-out was functioning really well, both with Abby Scott and without her, which is good news for, for Simon Middleton. 100%, yeah. Um, Zoe Allcroft was phenomenal throughout this season. It's great to see her back fully playing, fully loaded, and even, you know, Simon was singing her praises. Um, so I think I think it's more about tidying things up. Um Agreed. And everyone kind of getting back on the same page, understanding each other a little bit more, having a bit more time together. Um, is probably where I'd, I'd think that that team needs to improve before Six Nations. Yeah, for me, on. I mean, gee, 60 points, 10 tries in those conditions. Yeah. You're in a way win at France first up. And last minute, no mistakes. You can't make any mistakes in the last 90 seconds. Win in the middle. But actually, it was that just the tiny little details. Body heights going into contact or hitting rucks. A, a slight line-out that goes astray. The, the restart isn't quite right. And it, those are very, very fixable. It's not nuts and bolts stuff. It, it's the it's the outer polish stuff that uh, that needs working on. Um so anyway, a very impressive series uh, from England. What, as we're talking about that, let's uh, let's bring you up to speed with some of the other international results that happened over the weekend. Two tests in the uh, the Can Am test series between Canada and America. Nice. See how they've done that with the name. Yeah, it's brilliant. That <laughs> uh, the first test it, it stopped early because of lightning. Yeah, that's happened for an England game out there as well before. Has it? Yeah. So it's- it was, it was, I've got to tell you a very quick story. A fellow broadcaster who will remain nameless, it was hurricane warnings. And um, we're in the stadium, Glendale, great stadium, Mike Donoford, 
brilliant man that he is mayor there and um hurricane warnings we we warned about it before the game you know the hurricane warnings drop the microphones get yourselves out this is the meeting point the cluster point whatever um and a fire engine went past and com stopped and the commentator had left his position and was running towards the cluster point because he thought that the fire engine was a hurricane warning (laughs) oh my god (laughs) so there's the story there anyway um now you've all nodded off. Let's wake you back up with the, the first test between USA and Canada um, on USA soil. 19-0 to Canada. And they backed that up last weekend uh, up in Canada with a 52-27 victory. It takes them up to third in the world rankings. Some uh, some head-scratching to, to be done for Rob Kane, I would have thought, the uh, former Saracens boss at USA. Uh, and Scotland as well over the weekend. Hosted Japan up at Scotstoun. First time they've ever met. Uh, and it was the tourists who won the game dramatically. Uh, last minute score, 24-20. Um, and that ends a, a little mini European tour the Japanese have done. Uh, unbeaten. Drew 17 all with, uh, with Italy the week before. So, uh, yes, they're all right in vogue, aren't they? Japanese rugby at the moment. Of course, we've spoken about England 60 points to three over Italy. And a little bit of history at the weekend as well with the crochets who played Wales, a sort of barbarian side in Wales. Really, really great occasion that was. Um, and Wales won 29 points to eight. John Lillycrap lifted the Life Rose Crochet's Bowl. Building nicely towards the barbarians for Wales this weekend. We'll hear a little bit more about that from Rachel Taylor later on in the pod. Yeah, it's been a great autumn so far um, with Japan and Canada obviously coming out on top. Um, yeah, it's, it's still got a couple of more weeks to go with other internationals, but, um, you know, fair play to Japan. First time touring and um, being unbeaten. And some other news to uh, bring up to speed with. Yeah, this is quite exciting news. Um, Silika Winiata from New Zealand, um, both 15s and 7s players now, taking the game with a whistle. And she's heading out to Dubai Sevens, um, where she's going to be, you know, taking on the role as a referee and not playing. Fair play to her. She's certainly be able to keep up anyway. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of Sevens, just to keep you uh, fully abreast of all the news, Fiji and China have now qualified for the Tokyo Olympics next year as well. And the final bit of news is Lou Meadows. Congratulations to her, announced as the new England Under-20s Counties coach for next year's tour of USA and Canada. Many congratulations, Lou. I'm Sarah Hunter, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. OK, time to work on our first guest this week. I caught up with the England boss, Simon Middleton, a little bit earlier on. Yeah, well, it's good to have um, the main man, the main uh, Red Roses man, back on the pod. Uh, Simon Middleton, I, th- I think it's only you and World Player of the Year, Emily Scarrett, had uh, been on the pod for a second time. So you're highly honoured, no doubt, right up with, uh, with your autumn achievements so far. Uh, that's mate. I, uh, I feel... Highly honoured, uh, indeed. So, particularly if I'm in the same company as Skaz. Well, so, there you uh, are, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well pleased with the autumn internationals, yeah. Yeah, well, I was, started, I was just going to start off by by asking you, three from three with that, with that tricky first away game. Um, you must have been absolutely delighted with that. And you would have you'd bitten, off, bitten off people's hands pre, uh, pre-quilter pre internationals for that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think, you know, when you looked at the fixtures, particularly... With, with the way they were going to come at us uh, in terms of, you know, 
France probably one of the toughest places to go, you know, certainly outside New Zealand and win. And, and you, so you're immediately thinking, well, we've got to get that right, under, otherwise we're going to be under massive pressure going into the next game. Uh, and then Italy, who you know did a great job on France at the end of the Six Nations last year and finished second. So you know the, the, there was potential for this be you know a lot of pressure in that series for us if we didn't manage the games uh, how we wanted to. So yeah, you know, the, and I thought the, the performance in France, although not you know it, it wasn't like we had eighty minutes of brilliant rugby, we had probably sixty five minutes of real good gritty tough defence and 15 minutes of real high quality play and uh, and and I think that coupled with the fact that both teams were a bit rusty uh, you know was enough for us to get the result and, and that got us onto on, onto to a good footing really so yeah yeah I, I was just going to say well then if it's about managing those games let, let's pop the the, the, the the schoolmaster's sort of gown on marks out of 10 for, for the for the series what were the good bits and bad bits Oh, max out of ten. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, with, with what we've talked about and where we want to be, you know, it's, it's a good seven. It's a good seven because uh, I think there's a, there's a there's a massive amount of potential in the squad, and I think, you know, the the, the whole professional contract thing is is now starting to kick in as we expected so physically you can see the changes in the players and detail wise in terms of their playing you can see the difference and particularly the players who haven't been in the system for a long time so the benefit of being professional for them is really starting to shine through so give you two examples a Hannah Bottom and a Shauna Brown who fairly new into the international setup, uh, but being fairly new and part-time as opposed to, and having jobs, which they both did, as opposed to being new and having full-time rugby, you could see that they, their games have leapt forward. Uh, so there's still loads of potential in the squad individually and collectively we're just starting to really get a feel for how we want to play the game. So, yeah, a, a seven would be about a good place to be, I think, at this point. And underneath the red pen, no, they don't use red pen anymore, do they? No, that's too, far too aggressive. But um, <laughs> they, yeah, underneath the comment, could could work on, what would be your next next few words, Mids? Uh, basic skill, basic skill execution. Right, so. yeah, because I, I was going to talk to you about. We'll go into sort of the Italy game in a, in a second, but it, for, for me, it was that that just that attention to detail, whether it be a little mistake at the restart, a little mistake at the lineout, a little mistake with a with a with a softness of a pass, or or that, those kind of just polishing type uh, issues, yeah. really. Yeah, I think if you look at the nature of our performances, the one thing across all the performances, particularly the two French performances, was the errors we made. Not so much at crucial times, but at times where we were just getting into the flow of playing. So a lot of our attacking stuff didn't materialise because we laid a foundation and then when it really counted or when we were ready to move into the real pressure zone, uh, we made a mistake. And uh, and we just give too much ball away. So, you know, France pretty much dominated possession, particularly in that first game. It was it was actually the other way around in the, in the second game. But we didn't convert it into points in the second game because we made errors at crucial times. Uh, so, yeah, they're just, you know, th- those bits of detail uh, uh, are, are sort of the, the part of the next step for us, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, 
uh, you know, still still lots of other little bits to work on as well. But you know, I'm I really pleased with a lot of the areas of our game that start to progress, though, uh, start to take shape. Particularly you know, the, the the last game in particular, in the way we managed, you know, we managed the game, managed our way around the field, and, and executed and, and stayed and stayed focused. Which in the end looked, you know, we looked and went, you know, that was pl- pretty clinical that performance, and that's what we're, we're aiming towards. Um, I was yeah, just going to say, were you surprised how poor Italy were, considering you've already mentioned how how well they, they did in the Six Nations, finishing second and, and against France? Uh, the indications were there that it wouldn't be as strong. I mean, they they had thirteen changes effectively across their side from the side that played France uh, or, or beat France, and and you know, you, and then you look and they're obviously coming off the back of a seventeen-all draw with Japan. And, well, greatest respect to, to Japan. You're thinking, well, something's not quite right there. Uh, now, having said that, Japan obviously beat Scotland. Beat Scotland, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it, it, and that's brilliant to see. Not, not Scotland getting beat, but Japan surfacing. Uh, uh, you know, that's, they, they must be coming off the back of their tour. Absolutely thrilled with where their games are. Uh, and, and for the world game, I think that's, that's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, there was a combination of, uh, Italy probably not being where they've been over the last 12 months in terms of performance. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I'm all, we're, our, we're our biggest critics and I, I'm always our biggest critic in terms of how we play performance-wise. So at the same time, I think it's really important to recognise our performance against Italy because I thought we were just, you know, it wasn't perfect yeah, by any stretch, but we, we did some really good stuff uh, and we were very clinical at times. And uh, areas of the game that, Going into the six, uh, going into the autumns, we said these are the game, these are the parts of our game that we need to move on. There was some real evidence that we'd moved them on, uh, and that was, you know, that's really pleasing to see. Yeah, ten tries in those conditions. You certainly, certainly kept a, a sodden crowd uh, well entertained. Uh, good, good, good venue uh, up at Bedford. Well, I, I just, just one more question for you. Um, it's if, if you don't mind, I know you don't like to single out individuals, and, and, and we don't in rugby, do we? I know you've mentioned Hannah Bottomman and, and Shauna mm-hmm. Brown, but there were some players coming back from injury. There were some some brand new, fresh players you've never had a look at before. Some players in new positions. Just just identify a couple of individuals, if you would, from the series. Oh, uh, yeah, like I say, always dangerous. Always, dangerous. I think I, I think everybody did did some good stuff. And probably everybody did some stuff that they'll we'll look at and they'll need to they'll need to fix up or, or improve on, and that's the nature of the beast. But I think if you looked at probably players who we were really pleased with in terms of, you can see their game moving on. So I mentioned a couple there, Shauna and Boss. You know, I think Boss has been outstanding, to be honest. Uh, you know, she's a great character, but it's quite clear she takes her rugby very seriously, and. Uh, you know, and because she's been in that position where she's had to get up and go to work, I think she she gets it. She gets the, the benefit of professional stuff. She understands that how, how important that is. Uh, and then I think you know probably some of the probably some of the other players, uh, maybe, maybe from outside our contract. So for, for instance, you know, Heather Kerr's had a great series for us because obviously you know like, like picked up an injury. So Heather's you know as Heather, Heather's done for a while, sort of been there supporting in the background well it was her turn to step up uh, and I thought she stepped up really well and she's worked so hard on a game uh, both from a, you know, an execution point of view and from a, a physical point of view she's in great shape she, she, she trains and plays more like a back rower uh, so you know I was, I, I was pleased, pleased for, for Heather I think yeah, again Zoe Allcroft 
in that last game in the absence of uh, Abby Scott, who generally leads our line out. She stepped up, and I thought she was. I thought she was the best player on the field. I thought she was absolutely outstanding in, in how she went around her business and how she ran the line out. Uh, you know, so there's a, a couple of things that Abby Dow. Abby Dow had a great series, probably the, the most consistent back uh, yeah. through the series. Uh, and El Perry, who's come in, and El's a terrific player, strong, yeah. uh, great technical player, but also very good around the field. And, and, from, and from my point of view, I'm talking about players who aren't even contracted effectively for us, you know, so, which is great because that's the pool of talent that the TPs are throwing up. Uh, and it's, it, you know, we're going to need a squad of 40, 45 players to be looking at in terms of uh, going towards the World Cup. You know, that's, that's the sort of breadth of, of squad you would ideally like to pick from in, confidence, in the confidence that you know those players have got the quality you need. And, and so to have those players surfacing uh, is, is terrific. And, and as, I, as I say, I think, I, I think the players who have come through quickly, you bought us Sean, and it's a great testimony to the investment that's been made. I think your L's, your Abbey's, your Heather's, that's also a product of them being inspired. So we've got a real good process starting to to to, uh, to to move in a really positive direction. You know, and that's testimony to the clubs and everybody in the clubs doing some great work. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there because we're going all, all barbars crazy this week. So uh, thank you very much. If I don't speak to you before, have a, have a great, great Christmas and no doubt we'll catch up um, heading heading into the Six Nations. But congratulations on a, on a great series. Cheers, John. Always good to chat. Well, let's move on to the Barbarians. This weekend, the Barbars take on Wales for the very first time. And it's only the second ever doubleheader with the Barbarians men's game following at the Principality Stadium. Quite an occasion ahead, Berth. Yeah, really special time. It's a true Barbar feel. You've got 10 countries all coming together and we're lucky enough to have on the pod this week four of those involved in the Barbarians team. Yeah, we have uh, the Welsh representative, Rachel Taylor, former Wales captain and now coach of the Barbarians as well. Yes, and we're also going to be joined by the mover and shaker, the leader and the manager and the sheep herder, Fiona Stockley. Representing New Zealand, World Cup winner, Black Ferns captain, Steph Tiohare Fox. And we are joined by Jenny Murphy, the Irish centre. First of all, ladies, thank you so very, very much for, for joining us on the Women's Rugby Pod. Um, how are the heads this morning? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Had a slight headache um, coming out of the team meeting, but once we ran it out, it was fine. And you've done your you've done your first training session, is that right? This morning. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You sweated it out, that's for sure. And staff is great at tag. Touch, you have to touch her seven times before she then decides. Oh, I've been touched, so I'll put the ball. So that's great. Typical front row, then, Jenny. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, there seems to be a lot of unity within the camp already, so that's good. Uh, yeah, we kind of like each other. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Uh, there's a good buzz. It is good crack from the get-go. Um, there is uh, a lot of laughter and, and good kind of bonding and stuff uh, last night and this morning as well. So, so far, so good. Yeah, it's always good to have a couple of beers to get to know someone. 
Yeah, of course, the, the, the Barbarian's famed for its um, off-field training. Um, can you let us into a, a, any secrets, what you, are, what you are or what you have been doing exactly to, to Team Bond? Um, hello, first of all. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> obviously, the Barbarian's had a bit of a meet and greet last night, so it's... Uh bit of a logistical nightmare that stockers has had to do with uh, the number of flights coming in and players coming from all over the place so it was um, a fairly tame evening actually uh, just to get to know each other this morning oh speed dating <laughs> yeah a bit of speed dating yeah um, minute rounds which obviously ran over because everyone's far too interesting for their own good uh, mm-hmm. but it was good just to have a brief sort of meet and then just sort of delved into individual stories and what and people's sort of rugby journeys to get to this point this morning. So had a bit of a emotional roller coaster this morning. I think we'll <laughs> get out on the rugby park. So is that kind of your initiation as a group? Then you come in and you do your speed dating, get to know one another, and um, talk about your journeys and things like that. Or is there anything particular that you guys do as a, as a team? I think it's different every time. So every coach brings a different, you know, their own little flair. So we, we had a, a blank jersey, which is something we'd done when we first met with Giselle in, in, um, in Ireland when we played Munster. Uh, and people got the opportunity to draw or put pictures into that shirt and then and then talk through that journey of how they'd become barbarians. When we've done it in other teams, we've got them to tell us about who their rugby mentors were. Um, we did that for the England, um, England game, and that ended up actually being really quite emotional, I think. There were people in the room that got, you know, overtaken by emotion. But just because the stories are, you know, so impassioned and, and, and so lovely to hear and involve so many people in the room and, and the people that have got them there. So it's, you know, it's always appreciative and of, of the rest of the group to sit and listen and, you know, and share it here. It's quite nice, actually. So how, how did it all come about then? Oh, lots of phone calls. So probably 20, 2017, I started talking to Mike Burton, who is, um, you know, ex England, um, Gloucester and British Lion and he's been on the committee for several years. He's he's the man behind, you know, England rugby travel. Um, he's you know, a huge guy in the arena, everyone knows him, and we got talking through um Abby Chamberlain who'd gone up to watch a game at Gloucester and he said, We really want to have a women's team, how do we do it? And they, they suggested talking to me. So Mike and I became like pen friends and and spoke on the phone for about 18 months. And then I got invited to a meeting up at Park Lane Hilton when I think the men were playing um, Argentina. And we had a conversation, just talked about what it could be. And then six months later, the window arrived when they were playing Tonga at Thorman Park and we were invited to bring the First Lady squad together. Wow, sensational stuff. And just, uh, Jenny, one of the players there, or Steph, just just how special was it to, to get that? Is it a letter, a carrier pigeon? An email, a text, how does it arrive nowadays? Yeah, uh, WhatsApp uh, from Old Stockers. And yeah, it's an amazing opportunity when she first uh, messaged me. I thought, can't say no to that. Um, can never say no, which I haven't the last three times. <laughs> um, so it's just, um, I guess you never think you're going to play with the people you've played against and uh, to form such a good bond with them uh, straight away is amazing because you know you're obviously rivals but coming together and you, I guess you're a bit apprehensive on what people's personality is going to be like where they're going to clash but it all seems to work itself out and everyone just gels like a family so yeah it's pretty cool to get the uh, text and yeah like I said just never say never say no but we get like a 
an official invite as well um, on the Barbarians Club, which is a pretty cool letter to have. And uh, yeah, we kept that and got a framed actually, so that's pretty cool. That sounds, amazing that sounds yeah, awesome. I got a, a phone call um, and it was like an English number. I had no idea who it was. And, and it was stalkers. Um, it reminded me of my first cap call, like the, the time you get like invited or you get told that you've made Six Nations squad. So I was in my car and um, getting ready to train um, and was like buzzing for the rest of the week. So it was it was a very, very good phone call to get. And like the 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 Barbar's journey so far has been really incredible. Being on the outside, like for you girls, you know, did you look in thinking? Are you? Did you sit there thinking? Can't in the future. See if you can let me know you're available. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but people sitting on the outside, and maybe Jenny, this is a question for you. Did you, having looked on, seeing Sene playing and being involved, did you look in thinking, I really want to be a part of that one at some stage, and really hope to get the call up? Like, is there this buzz around wanting to be involved in the bar bars now? Hundred percent. And when, like, some of, some of the girls got the call up for that Barbarians Monster game. Um, and you're so proud of them and then when they come back and talk about the experience you immediately want to to taste it and be a part of it Um, and then when I got injured and was looking at it I was like okay that was it was in the back of my head I didn't write it down anywhere but the the ideal dream if I was able to make it back pain would be like okay I just won if I get one more cap I would love it to be in a black and white jersey and so I'm so grateful to be here and like it's like Steph was saying it's like you know yourself you're after your pre-match your your post-match meal you get like five ten minutes even um with your opposite number or a team and even then you're still a bit bruised sore and tired so you can't really have the crack and but this is just completely different you get to actually know know the person and not just like you know physically what they're able capable of doing on the pitch you just learn so much more about them so it's it's a privileged place to be it's somewhere really fun and you get to learn so much people are very open um to sharing and quite vulnerable in a good way straight away and um, which is ex- like it's just really refreshing and um, and like so many of the girls have said it so it nearly sounds like a cliche but it does make you oh this is why i fell in love with the sport in the first place it goes back to oh we're just playing and having to be like surrounded by really good players but at the end of the day it's it's just a game and we just want to play it really well. And so while we're on this stockers, and I'm going to take a few notes, how do you, like, where do you start with your selection of coaches and players? And obviously you've got Cat Merchant doing S&C as well. Like, where does that and how does that all come about? I think it's because it is a privileged club, but you want to invite the people that have had an impact on the women's game. So that's why you've seen such a very female dominant um, set of coaches, because they don't often get opportunities in the limelight and I think it's really important to be able to give back to the people that have given so much to the game. So many of them over the years have been parts of squads where they never had any funding, they've paid for their own travel, they've worked their way up with jobs in the day as well as training in the mornings and the evenings or preparing to be coaches. So it's really important to start to recognise those people around that haven't been part of a professional game and give them opportunities. So it's just been a real treat to... So no, I mean, I've been involved, and I started playing rugby in, in 1994, so I've, I've been in the game a while. I, you know, I was at my club, current club Wasps, for the last 19 seasons. 
and you do get the opportunity to meet lots of people and and for me it's not just about being good at rugby but it's about having the right character and the right attitude for this and and so far you know we haven't had a single dud come through one of our four squads into this fifth team they've been amazing and they've all brought something and and made an impact on on the other players around them so you know it's it's just a treat plus do a lot of facebook um stalking you know <laughs> like get on twitter um, i've had to get onto the insta club i don't really know how to use it but you know it's useful <laughs> for finding friends of friends and and you know also this time we've been lucky enough to be able to reach out to unions and ask for current players um we spoke to you know the black ferns we've spoken to japan We've spoken to USA and Canada, and they've all been really, really positive in their response. They recognise what we're doing is is professional. Yes, there's fun off the pitch, but there's an awful lot of preparation goes into a game, uh, and so to get you know current internationals is fantastic. Well, one lady certainly in your room is certainly given loads back. Rachel Taylor's out there. It's been a pretty special week for you, hasn't it? I mean, it's a history-making week with uh, with last weekend and the Cray Shores, and um, and now this weekend to Barbarians. How's your how's your Japanese? I had three trips to Japan and I've discovered today that it's pretty bad. So um, <laughs> I think my time spent there was well used, but um, no, it's, um, it's it seems a bit of a surreal week. I'll be honest. Like the like the girls have mentioned, you know, to to be called up as a player is um, obviously a massive honour, and I was lucky enough to captain uh, Barbars against the Army uh, fixture. So to have that, and, I, and I, again, I was really fortunate to have that at the end of my career. So. Um, kind of signed off in in a, in a really great way, and I think that's what makes a lot of the Barbars invites. You know, as, as Jen mentioned, so special. It might be the start of your playing career. It might be you know coming towards the end of your career. It could be a swan song. Um, it just it's just part of a part of your rugby journey. But you know this this one for me, and I'm lucky. It, it seems to continue in a in a coaching vein now, which um, obviously I'm really fortunate to to fall into, and I've. I've I've been lucky in that sort of run so far in, in the in the gigs I've managed to get and I'm really enjoying it so it, it makes life a lot easier but like to coach a group like this this morning obviously I can't say too much because there's two in the room and I'll <laughs> leave with waves of yeah, egos but, but um, talk at the room it is a different level and you know they, they come in and they're, they're competent rugby players and they're, they're all excited and they're, and they're all bouncing for for what an amazing weekend you know will be to come and it's just it's such a real treat really and I, I don't think you get many opportunities like that to to be with the the caliber of player I guess and and for them to have such an understanding but also uh <laughs> as you said. Um, and this is quite a um, unique opportunity for you isn't it in terms of you know you're going to be coaching against your own country I mean how's that feeling are you excited about that yeah it's quite a different experience for you it is, like as you as you mentioned um, earlier, you know, to have a have an opportunity last week with the, the crochets, and that's something that I think you know Wales really need to, to build on as a, a union. That crochets opportunity, there isn't anything that fills that void at the moment in, in Welsh rugby. So um, hopefully that will just go from strength to strength. But to get to do it again, you know, with the bar bars, and again as the girls already alluded to, like every time there's more momentum behind the bar bars there seems to be more uh, enthusiasm like stockers have said like unions are in now so it's just building and building and building for me to have a you know a bit of a crack at wales and the principality stadium it seems a bit bizarre but um yeah i just i can't wait really it'd be a hundred percent black and white for that day now when i spoke to stockers yesterday uh, arranging 
Um, I don't know what a collective noun is for barbarians, but we'll, we'll come up with one um, to speak to you today. She was shopping, mad, madly shopping. Have you all received a little gift? And who's the youngest in the squad, and how different was their little gift? Yeah, we've all got little gifts. <laughs> Can you tell the, tell the listeners what the little gifts are, Jenny, or, or one of the players? Yeah, so um, we get given a little sheep, and I'll, uh, we had on the very first tour, um, it was part of something you had to carry around, and again, it's like a, a tradition, I guess, that's just developed over time. And Sneaky weasel. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just growing and growing, and the, the, there's now sheep police and all sorts. It's on a different level this year, so uh, you should not leave it out of your sight, or they will screw you over. <laughs> yeah, one of the girls had to sing a song to get his back last night, or someone was going to um, cut the leg off her. <laughs> so somebody's so, had this taken already? Uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah they, we started on the process. So um, we, the two uncapped players we got with us are Beth Stafford and, and Tess Gardner, and they've got slightly different sheep, which is slightly bigger and more awkward and doesn't fit in anyone's pocket. So much easier to steal. Everyone um, <laughs> else has just clipped it on their, you know, on their pocket or their sports bras, so it's all good. It's nice and easy to get to. But yeah, I mean, I think it will get. You know, there's no, you know, you can't attack somebody to their sheep, but if you leave it unattached or um. You know, on its own, then it, it's going to get picked up. And he's the ass of that, so probably lose all his sheep. So it was a catch. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you tell her, Jen. I think Dufky's a sheep farmer, so I was out of saying I needed to find. She's a sheep farmer involved with, you know, someone is. <laughs> Someone's involved with sheep. And, uh, yeah, they were going to get... <laughs> <laughs> Someone's involved with sheep. And, uh, yeah, they were going to get... <laughs> Stock's entertaining story as we wrap up, but we, we just... Um, Got back from training, we were trying to get lunch sorted, get everybody in, sorting everything out, and then fire alarms went off, and everyone had to evacuate the hotel, all the guests, all the gym guests, people in their towels, to find out that it was um, two of our players' hot shower water and set the uh, heat sense off in the room. Not together. <laughs> Who are the culprits? We can't. We're not in the Are you covering up? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Haggis and Tess, I don't think they were actually aware that they were the ones that set the alarm off either until some woman came knocking on their door uh, asking if they were okay. And massive, massive thanks to, to, to all of you for, for coming on the WRP. Really, really appreciate it. And just, yeah, enjoy every second of it. It's so, so special. And um, yes, I've got one, one lady here who's, who's, who's most jealous. Yeah. yeah. My phone's on, <laughs> stockers. Thank you. Thank you guys for, for supporting women's rugby and, and, and talking about it. It's really important. There's a lot of people behind the scenes that you know don't get an opportunity to share all the things they do, and I, I know that's the same for you guys. So we appreciate your support. Much appreciated. Cheers, stockers. You take care. Good luck this weekend, girls. Yeah, thanks. Go well. Thanks. Bye. Bye. I'm Jess Breach, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. So let's move on to domestic matters now with the Tyrrells Premier 15s continuing this weekend after a little autumn break, round seven. So just to uh, give you the heads up on how the table looks at this stage. Birthside leading the way from Saracens. Then come Wasps, Gloucester, Hartbury, Loughborough, then Bristol. DMP Sharks in seventh, followed by Richmond, Fieldwood, Waterloo and Worcester bringing up the rear. So fixtures for round seven then, young Rachel. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting weekend with obviously all the internationals returning back to the clubs. But we want to see the internationals that have proven the form in the autumn internationals back into now their clubs. So you're looking forward to watching the likes of, you know, Hannah Bottman taking a shirt for Saracens again and what she can do there in a club shirt. I mean, Abby Dow has been brilliant over the series to so seeing her replicate that. And the reason she got called in, because remember, she's not a contracted player, reason she got called in because she's playing so well at clubs. So, you know, again, another platform for her to, to pick up. But I think that'll be an interesting fiction. I can't quite call it at the moment. So, yeah, what's taking on Saracens? Uh, Quinns against uh, Waterloo. You guys against Waterloo. Yeah, we're going to be at home this weekend, so we don't have to do the long trek. Um, so obviously that's going to be working in our favour. Um, for us, I think we've just got too much strength and depth across the whole team. Um, it'll be a tough day for Firewood coming down. Richmond against Loughborough Lightning. I think the class that Loughborough have, you know, with the likes of the players that we've mentioned many, many times, you know, well player of the year now, she's taken that claim. Um, I think it's going to be way too much for Richmond. Um, they're struggling at the moment. Worcester against Bristol. Um, obviously, Joe Yap's had a couple of weeks now with the side. Um, it'll be good to see how much she's managed to implement there. Um, but Bristol are continuously on the up, and I think they've got a couple of girls returning from injury as well. And finally, Gloucester Hartbury against DMP Sharks, who were in great form, weren't they, coming into the break? Yeah, they were, and I think they'll probably pick up on that again. And, um, you know, Simon Ritter spoke about Heather Kerr, who plays for Darlington Moden Park Sharks. You know, she's been throwing to Zoe Allcroft in the England setup, and now she's going to be trying to trick her in that line-out section where Gloucester Zoe plays very, very well in terms of um, the set piece. And so it'll be an interesting mix-up to see how that goes. Well, that just about wraps it up for, for this week. It's good to be back with you in the studio no dogs or doggy toys. But uh, before we go, we must just do a couple of little shout-outs. Mansfield Rugby, spoken about them before on the pod. Their numbers at training are massively increasing and they're looking to have their first game in February March. So well done for them. So this weekend, we mentioned that Worcester-Bristol game. Please get along and support that because they're trying to away, raise awareness for sepsis. There's going to be rugby, live music, family attractions, all in aid of the UK Sepsis Trust. Tickets are only £5, so do get along to Six Ways for that one. And remember, we'd love you to get in touch. And do you know what? Actually, we've got a new competition this Ooh. week. Um, thank you to our great friends at the Barbarians now. and um, We've got a stash um, of goodies to, to give out to you. And what we want to do, because we've just heard the inspirational you know, side of what it means to be a Barbar, sharing journeys from all walks of life. We want to hear about yours and we'll pick the best rugby journey out and you'll win yourself a Barbarian's goodie bag. Oh, yes, please. Can I enter? You can't enter, no. <laughs> it's a massive thank you to, to all of our guests, to Simon Middleton, to Fee Stockley Stockers, to Jenny Murphy, Steph to your Harry Fox and Rachel Taylor and, of course, our producer, Jez. Next week, we'll look back on that Barbar's game and we'll get stuck into the latest news from the Tyrrell's Premier 15. And we'll discuss the big news in the club game with Worcester's Joe Yap and Richmond's Ellie Boatman. And remember, whatever you're doing to support the women's game, wherever you are, keep it up. Until next time.